When Paul writes, he writes for a twofold reason. First of all, he writes to the individual. He writes to Timothy, and he's writing, uh, he's saying, Timothy, stand for Christ. He wants to encourage him. He wants him to make a difference. But he also writes to the local church, and he's writing to the local church there, which is Ephesus, which we already know he's written one letter to the church at Ephesus already, and that's, that's the, the, the letter to the Ephesians. Uh, and you may not realize it, but he writes another letter to the church at Ephesus besides this, and that's found in the book of Revelation, the seven churches in Revelation. One of those is the Ephesian church as well. So there are actually three letters written to a particular church in the Bible that we see. Uh, this one, of course, he writes to that local church to give them instructions on how they should function. Now, this will help us in two ways. First of all, individually, this letter helps us because it encourages us as we seek to make an impact for Christ. In the same way that Paul tells things to Timothy, we can make applications. Second is for our church as a whole. Make sure that we are functioning in the way that God has designed a local body to function. The things that he tells the church here, we can make application as well. Now, for the last week, Weeks, few weeks, we have seen a lot of things. We've seen Paul dealt with false teachers. He talked about who they are and what they do and how to deal with them. He gave the charge to be godly. You remember he said, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. He exhorted Timothy to be an example. He said, let no one look down on you because you're young, but you be an example. And he listed those five things to be examples. And then he gave instructions. And this is what we saw last week, and we'll just start with it this week, just a quick review. But he actually gave instructions on how when the church comes together, when the body gathers, what are they supposed to do? And he said, when you come together, give the attention to the public reading of the scripture, to exhortation, and to teaching. We saw that last time. As we move on this morning, and we'll just touch on verse 13 and then get 14, 15, and 16, he's going to deal with Timothy. He's going to talk about personal ministry. He's going to talk about Timothy's life and what he should be doing. What What is Timothy to do? And then we can look at that and say, okay, if these are truths to Timothy, we can make application in our lives. We want to think about how we live, what we do, those kind of things. So there's a lot as we look at it this morning. We could begin with this goal, and that is this, or this question. What is our goal and purpose as one who belongs to Jesus Christ? I mean, what do we want to happen? We could even put it a different way. What do we want to become? It really depends on what you're aiming for. Prof. Hendricks at Dallas Seminary used to say this. He said, most people hit what they aim for. The problem is most people aim for nothing, and that's exactly what they hit. And the truth is that what are we supposed to do? What are you aiming for in your Christian life? A better question could be, what do you want to become? Well, this morning, we're going to see Paul's charge to Timothy, and he deals with him personally, and we can make application. And what he emphasizes to Timothy, we can say, okay, if that's what he's emphasizing there, let's make emphasis in our own lives. And as we look at this passage this morning, three things sort of stand out. He's going to talk about spiritual gifts. He's going to talk about Timothy's spiritual gift, and then we'll talk about gifts as a whole. He's going to talk about uh, Timothy's personal growth. He says it needs to be evident. People need to be able to see that you're growing, and we'll think about that. And then there's a warning about lifestyle and teaching and all those kind of things, and we'll see how that fits together. So the goal is to see how all this fits together, teaching, gifts, those kind of things. Well, as we continued, or as we think about chapter 4, Paul is going to turn from public ministry to, you might say, personal ministry. But let me remind you of what we saw last week. And I think it's very, very important because the question is sometimes raised, what are we supposed to do when we gather, like on a Sunday morning or a Sunday night or a Wednesday night or some, something? What do we do? Well, Paul says, here's what we do. We do three things. If you look at First uh, Timothy 4, verse 13, he says, until I come, give attention to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation and to teaching. And we saw those three things, public reading, teaching, exhortation. The bottom line is when you come together as believers, 
believers. You're to read the Word of God, teach the Word of God, and make application of the Word of God. That's what we try to do here. Our goal is that we come together, and I already got up this morning, and we read through the passage. We'll read through it again as we teach it. The second thing we do is after we read it, we teach the Word of God, and then at the end, we'll say, now let's see how we can make application. That's what we're supposed to do. I've talked to many of you, and you'll say things like, well, you know, I went to a church, and they never even used the Bible, or, or I went to a church, and they read a verse, but the verse they read had nothing to do with anything they talked about. Our goal, plan, dream, what we're supposed to do is we read the Word of God. What does it say? We teach the Word of God. What does it mean? We make application of the Word of God. What does it mean to me? That's the bottom line. That's what we're to do. And so that's what Paul said to Timothy. He said, Timothy, until I get there, you make sure you're doing the public reading, the exhortation, and the teaching of the Word of God. We want to be faithful to do that. Now, from that... Paul then moves to some personal things to Timothy, some things that we can apply in an individual way. Let me break down the passage for you. In verse 14, he's talking, he talks about personal ministry of gifts. He tells Timothy, use your gift. We'll make application of talking about using our gifts. Then in verse 15, he talks about growing. And he says, let everybody see your growth. Keep on growing. It needs to be obvious. We need to make application there. And then the last thing is a warning. He talked about guarding himself, his lifestyle, and teaching. And we can make application in that as well. So there's a lot to look at and just we get to that let's start with the very first thing and that's verse 14 and he talks about spiritual gifts notice what he says to timothy paul says do not neglect the spiritual gift within you which was bestowed on you through prophetic utterance with the laying on of hands by the presbytery now the last part of the verse i'll explain that in just a minute the first part is really his command and that is this do not neglect the spiritual gift within you paul says timothy don't neglect your spiritual gift He's telling him to use the gift that he has. And we would say it to us, use the spiritual gifts that God has given to you. Use our spiritual gifts. All, every one of us as a believer, we trusted in Jesus Christ, his Savior. The moment we trusted in Christ, we got spiritual gifts. And we're to use our spiritual gifts. Here's some of the problems. Some of the problems is that many, many Christians do not even know what their gifts are. And don't raise your hand, but if I said, okay, how many of you in here know your spiritual gifts? You'd be surprised at how many people would go, well, I'm, I'm not sure. I don't, I don't really know. And so a lot of believers don't know their spiritual gifts tied in with that. They're not serving within the local body because they don't know what their spiritual gifts are. So before we look at this, because he says to Timothy, do not neglect the spiritual gift within you. In other words, use your gift. Before we do that, let's talk about spiritual gifts for just a second. Let's raise some questions. The first one is, what are spiritual gifts? Well, spiritual gifts are divine abilities which are given to us by God so that we can serve within the body of Christ. They're divine abilities. They're something special. They're things that God has given us to be able to do. Uh, spiritual gifts you find in the Scripture, if you go, and we'll talk more about it later, but in 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12 and Ephesians 4 and 1 Peter 4, he lists the spiritual gifts that are in the Scripture. The spiritual gifts, in fact, all of us have spiritual gifts. We'll talk more about it in a second. But spiritual gifts are abilities, divine abilities, that God has given to each of us so that we can serve. Some may have the gift of teaching. Some may have the gift of help. Some may have the gift of mercy. Some may have the gift of giving. Somebody may have the gift of administration. Those kind of gifts. Sometimes administration is called leadership. Those kind of gifts. And what he says to Timothy is don't neglect your gift. 
In other words, keep using your gift, Timothy. We could say the same thing to all of us. Use the gifts that we have. So the very first thing that we said is, what are spiritual gifts? They're abilities given to us by God so we can serve. Number two is that every believer has at least one spiritual gift. Every one of you in this room, if you have trusted in Jesus Christ as Savior, the moment you trusted in Christ, God gave to you at least one spiritual gift. I want you to hold your place right there in Timothy and turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I just want you to see several verses. We'll go through it fairly quickly. I just want you to see this so you can understand it. Spiritual gifts, it's a great study on spiritual gifts. I'm just going to touch on it this morning. If you would like more details on spiritual gifts, you can go to the website because I did a whole study on spiritual gifts and you can just download it or whatever you want to do and listen to it that way. But uh, there's a lot of information about spiritual gifts. Every believer has at least one spiritual gift. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Look at verse 7. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit, that's a spiritual gift, for the common good. Every believer has been given a spiritual gift for the good, for the good of the body. In fact, the whole aspect is that all of us using our spiritual gifts are supposed to help the body grow. Look down at verse 11. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as He wills. God the Holy Spirit, the moment you believe, gives you at least one gift. Many of you may have more than one spiritual gift. You may have a number of gifts. Now, here's the third thing. The third thing is that spiritual gifts deal with our ministry. Look, stay in 1 Corinthians 12. Look at verse 4. He says, there are a variety of gifts. That means there are a lot of different gifts, but it's the same Spirit who gives them. There are varieties of ministries. It's the same Lord. Even though there are a lot of gifts, there are also a bunch of different ministries that are used based on these gifts. And then look at the next verse. And there are a variety of effects. But it's the same God who works all things in all persons. In other words, there, there are a number of spiritual gifts. Those spiritual gifts do a whole bunch of different ministries. And those whole bunch of ministries have all kind of effects or outworking. Bottom line is this, every one of us in this room who know Christ, you have at least one spiritual gift, you may have more than one spiritual gift. Your spiritual gifts are to be used within the body of Christ so that the body can function that is given for the common good. There are many gifts, ministries, and effects. They're all for the common good. That's how the body is to function. Now listen to this. I don't want you to turn there, but Ephesians chapter 4 verse 16 talks about people using their gifts and it says, it is the proper working of each individual part causes the growth of the body. As each one of us in this room use the spiritual gift or gifts that we have working together, we actually cause the growth of the body. That takes us to number four. And number four is we are to use our gifts to serve other people. 1 Peter 4.10, don't turn there, but in 1 Peter 4.10 says, as each one has received a gift, use it, serve, use it to serve others. Listen to this. This is Romans chapter 12. I don't want you to have to turn there. Verses 4, 5, and 6. This is what he says. For just as we have many members in one body, all the members of the body do not have the same function. Now, he's talking about a human body. He says, you know, we got a human body, and there's toes and eyes and ears and fingers. and everything. we got many members in our body, and they don't all have the same function. Then he says, so we who are many, are one body in Christ. He says, and in the same way, just like there's a body of Christ, there's a whole bunch of different members in the body of Christ, individually members of one another. And then he says this, And since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, 
Let each one exercise them accordingly. Bottom line, everybody in this room who knows Christ has at least one spiritual gift, maybe more. We're in the body of Christ. We're to use those gifts so the body can function. Now what happens, and this is the sad part, is because we, we're going to talk about gifts and what are your gifts and where are you serving. And the truth is most people, if you start saying, what are your spiritual gifts, most people say, I don't know. And if, then if you say to them, where are you serving, most people say, I'm not really serving. And so the truth is this, and that statistics show that about 80% of people connected with the church don't serve. So that means the body is only functioning at about 20%. About 20% of the believers do ministry. The rest kind of sit there. And so the body doesn't function very well. And that's why Paul is saying to Timothy, use your gift. Go ahead and turn back to 1 Timothy chapter 4 where Paul says, do not neglect the spiritual gift within you. So the questions that we could raise this morning for you, and they're hard questions. They're not easy questions. First question is, what are your spiritual gifts? Gift or gifts? And number two, where are you serving within the local body? Where are you using your gifts, talents, and abilities? That's the key. Where are you using your gifts? Now, here's what he says, Timothy. He says, says, Timothy, do not neglect the spiritual gift within you. Use your gifts. Then the last part of the verse, let me explain it to you because he says this, which was bestowed on you through through prophetic utterance with the laying on of hands by the presbytery. We could say, what in the world is he talking about? Well, here's what you remember. Paul came through Lystra on on his missionary journey, and Timothy was there. Timothy was a young man on fire for Christ. And when Paul came through, Paul said, Hey, Timothy, you're on fire. I'm continuing to go on missionary journeys, and I'm going all over the rest of the world. Would you like to come with me? Timothy said, I think that'd be great. And before he left, what happened is the elders of that local body that, that Timothy came out of, they met together, and they laid hands on Timothy to send him out with Paul. And when they laid hands on him, somebody said something like this. Timothy, as you go, you have the gift of teaching, so go teach. Or Timothy, as you go, you have the... And so when they laid hands on Timothy, they they told him, go out and be faithful and use your gifts. So all Paul is saying is, Timothy... Do not neglect the spiritual gifts given with, you know, within you, which was bestowed on you through the utterances, prophetic utterance with the laying on of hands by the elders. The word presbytery means elders. Now, let's talk about laying on hands for just a second. Laying on hands, it signifies a number of things. Blessing, identification, authority, setting apart. When those men put their hands on Timothy, they were setting him apart. They were sending him out. They were recognizing he was being blessed and set apart by God. At our church, sometimes we'll have an ordination service. I don't know if you've ever been to one. Some of you have. At an ordination service, we we take a person and we ordain them to be in full-time ministry or to be in ministry. And at the end of the service, they sit in a place and and the elders, the leaders of our church come up and lay hands on that person. And and basically what we're saying is we we identify with you. We're sending you out. We're blessing you. That's That's what it means. So all this means is, Timothy, use the spiritual gift that you got, especially when you got set apart by the, by the church and sent out. That's all he's saying. And if you look at the Bible and if you look at Acts and First and Second Timothy, the best you can tell, Timothy probably had the gift of discernment, maybe administration, and possibly teaching because he had to deal with false teachers. So there's some things there about Timothy. All Paul says is don't neglect the spiritual gift which you have. Now, that takes us to the next question that ties together. How are you going to know your gifts? If you're in this room and if I said to you, what are your spiritual gifts? Many of you may say, I I don't really know. I don't know for sure. I don't don't know. How are you going to know? Well, let me remind you that 1 Corinthians 12 
and Romans 12 and Ephesians 4 and 1 Peter 4 give a list of spiritual gifts. What you could do is go there and look at the list of spiritual gifts found in the Scripture and say to yourself, what does it mean and is this me? Does this, does this look like me? There's a second thing you can do. In our church office, and you can call the office on Monday or Tuesday whenever you want to, we, we have a spiritual gift inventory that we give to everyone when they join our church. And as you answer some questions on that spiritual gift inventory, it won't tell you exactly what your gift is, but it will show you where your strengths are and maybe what your gifts might be. And you could look at it and say, well, I think of that. And so bottom line is uh, you should, as a believer, begin to figure out what exactly, how are you gifted by God so that you can serve. Now, let me tell you, you say, how do I know what gift that I have? Well, number one, let me give you some other things that will help. You'll have a desire to do it. As you begin to exercise, as you begin to serve, as you begin to be used by God, the spiritual gift or gifts that you have will come to the front. It's just going to happen. If you've got the gift of teaching, it won't be long that sometimes you'll teach, and all of a sudden as you'll teach, you'll say, I love it, I love it. That was fun. It came out good. I loved it. If you have the gift of mercy, you're going to be doing something. People are going to look at you and go, thank you. And you'll say, I, I know, that's just the way I am. You know. And if you've got the gift of ministration, you'll be going, uh, go over there and go over there and sit down over here, please. Thank you. If you've got the gift of giving, you're just going to give. You're going to, and what's going to happen is as you serve, you're going, you're going to, your gift is going to come to the forefront. And what you're going to have to be doing is serving. You're going to have to serve. And, and it may take a little bit to find your gifts. So number one, you'll desire to do it. One of my gifts, one of my gifts is teaching. I absolutely love to teach, right? Y'all know that. I mean, I love it. I can hardly wait for y'all to get here. I'm saying, where are they? Why aren't they here yet? When, you know, when can we start? Because I love it. I don't mind studying because a person who has the gift of teaching must like to study. If you don't like to study, you can't have the gift of teaching because you're going to have to study to teach. And so whatever spiritual gifts that you have, you're going to love to do it. The second thing is you'll see results. If you have the gift of teaching and you teach, there'll be results. If you have the gift of helps, you'll be helping people. If you have the gift of mercy, you'll find that people are shown mercy. If you have the gift of administration, you organize things. You set things up. You lead things. So that's what happens. The third thing is others will recognize it. You have the gift of teaching. Somebody's going to say to you, that's the first time I've ever understood that. Thank you for teaching. If you have the gift of helps, they're going to say, thank you for helping me. If you have the gift of administration, people are going to say, boy, that, you, you put, that was great. You, it came out just right. Yes, it did. It did. So here's what you do. You just be faithful and you begin to serve. And you might already have an idea of whether you have gift to help or teaching or whatever it is, but you begin to serve. And as time goes by, you will love to do it. There will be results, and other people will recognize that in you. First time I ever taught, I didn't say this in the first service, first time I ever taught a guy, uh, first time I ever taught, I was at a church, and, and I'd gotten fired up, and I was growing, and, and the guy said, why don't you teach a class? We used to, sort of like our Bible Institute, they had on a Sunday night, they had some classes, and so they asked me to teach a class. And I was so scared. The first, I mean, so scared. You could have seen me. I went, thank you all for coming. And uh, turn in your Bibles. And I was so scared. And yet, as I started teaching, all of a sudden it began to come out. And, and, and it made sense. You know, and I'd already studied. And I, and I got excited. And, and the longer I taught and the more I get to teach, the more I realize that I'm gifted by God to do that. That's, that's my spiritual gift. you got spiritual gifts. Some of you have gift of teaching. Some of you have helps, administration. You have all kind of gifts. Now, I've got to tell you something that's the most important thing that's going to tie into all this. You need to serve in your area of giftedness. 
That's why it's important that you know what your gifts are so that when you serve in the body, you serve where you're gifted. Because if you took me out of teaching and you put me into something else that's not my spiritual gifts, it won't be very long that I'll be frustrated. And I'll say, I don't, I don't enjoy this. That's not fun to me. And sometimes that happens. You see people who, they'll say, would you mind teaching fourth grade boys? Now, that'll ruin anybody. But anyway, you could say, you know, would you mind teaching fourth grade boys? And they'll say, yeah, I'll do it. And not very long after that, they'll say, you know, I'm not enjoying it all. They didn't have the gift of teaching. And it's true. So the person who has the gift of teaching never wants to stop. They don't want to break. They don't want to break. And the person who has the gift of helps, they're always helping. The gift of mercy is always showing mercy. The gift of administration is always organizing things. The gift of giving is always giving. So when you are exercising your gift and you're serving in the area of your giftedness, you will not burn out. You hear people say things like, I burned out. Well, you weren't in the place you were supposed to be or you wouldn't burn out. I've been here 25 years. I teach 8 to 10 times a week. And I I never get enough of it. Right? But you put me doing something else, I'll get enough of it real fast. And the same with you. So that's why it is important that you know your gifts and you serve in your area of giftedness. So Paul says, Timothy, do not neglect the spiritual gift within you. Don't don't let up. Be faithful to do that. Now, with that in mind, we go on to verse 15 because he talks a little bit about uh, uh, Timothy's life. And he says this, take pains with these things, be absorbed in them so that your progress will be evident to all. Now, what is he saying? He's saying, listen, keep on doing these things. Keep on exercising your gift. Keep on doing all the things you're supposed to do. Take pains with these things. The, my Bible says be absorbed in them, but the word absorbed is not really in there. It's, just, it's in italics. So it literally says in the Greek, be in these things. Be in them. In other words, do what you're supposed to do. And then he says this, so that your progress will be evident to all. It is important that you grow as a believer and that other people can see your growth. It encourages other people. That's what, what did Paul tell Timothy back over in verse 12? Let no one look down on your usefulness, but be a what? Be an example. See, people are supposed to be in a look at our lives and see that we're growing. Seeing that we're, we're not the same as we used to be. We're, we're growing. In fact, notice this. It says uh, that your progress may be evident. The word progress meant to cut a trail. It was like, you know, pioneers going across something. Or if you're in the jungle and you had a machete and you're, you're chopping out the way so you can go, that's what that word means. It means your progress can be seen by other people. People need to be able to look at our lives and say... You know, you're really growing, man. You're really on fire. Wow. That's what Paul said, Timothy. Take pains in this. Be in it so that your progress will be evident. Do other people see your growth? Do people see you're on fire? Do people see that you're rolling? Do people see that you're an example for Jesus Christ? He says, Timothy, you're being watched. He's supposed to be an example. Let your progress be evident. Same thing for us. One of the sad things, I see when you trust Christ as Savior, you're, you're born again and you're a baby. You're, you're a baby in Christ. In fact, it says, as a newborn babe desires the sincere milk of the Word, that you may grow by it. But the goal is that you grow from being a baby to maturity. And the saddest thing is that some believers never get past being a baby. They never grow. Paul says to Timothy, your growth needs to be evident to people. That's the same thing we can apply. Our growth needs to be evident. That takes us really to the last verse, verse 16, where he then talks about Timothy's life. And he says this. He says, look, pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching. Persevere in these things. 
For as you do this, you will ensure salvation both for yourself and for those who are. I'll explain the last part of that verse because that doesn't mean, some people look at that and think you mean that'll save you. No, we're not talking about eternal life salvation there. Look what he says. Play, pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching. There's two aspects there. Guard yourself and then two things. To yourself and to your teaching. He's talking about to his personal life and to his lifestyle and to his gifts and how he lives and all that. And then to his teaching. That's that public ministry of reading, exhorting, teaching, all that. He says, Timothy, you've got to look at your life and you've got to guard yourself. When he says pay close attention, it literally means to guard. Guard yourself. Pay close attention to yourself and your teaching. They go together. Now, first of all, one is a private aspect. That's yourself. The other is public. That was his teaching. And that's the way it works because the private comes before the public. You have to be prepared privately. You have to be growing. It has to be your personal ministry and life has to be set before your public ministry can. We've got to guard our lives. We've got to grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ. We've got to grow as a believer. So private comes before public. But he says you've got to guard yourself. Watch yourself and then watch your teaching. It is true for all of us. You may say, but I'm not a teacher. All of us, whether you have the gift of teaching or not, are to communicate the truths of God's words, God's word to other people, beginning from the gospel message, faith in Christ for salvation, to helping them grow in the grace and knowledge of our Savior. We all have that responsibility to do that, whether you have the gift of teaching or not, so we can make the application, guard our lives and what we're teaching people. Watch out what we're doing. And they go together. Notice your lifestyle and your teaching. They can't be different. You can't live one way and then teach another. You can't teach, be godly, and then not be godly in your lifestyle. It won't work. People look at it and they go, that doesn't work. You know, you say one thing, but you do another. That's called a hypocrite, to say one thing and do another. I want you to understand that none of us are perfect. And when I teach the Bible, that doesn't mean everything I teach, I'm doing everything exactly what this says, because I fall short sometimes, but I'm process of trying to grow that way and that's what we're supposed to be and the bottom line is our lifestyle and teaching need to match and that's what he's telling timothy pay close attention to yourself and your teaching persevere in these keep doing the things you're supposed to be doing now watch the next part because this is the part that gets people confused for as you do this this will ensure salvation both for yourself and for those who hear you. Paul is not talking about that if you live a good Christian life, you will be saved. And we're not talking about eternal life salvation. As you know, the word salvation can be used in a number of different ways. There's a past salvation, which is called justification. There's a present salvation, which is called sanctification. There's a future salvation called glorification. Your past justification is when you believed in Jesus Christ as Savior and you have eternal life. Your present salvation called sanctification is as you are growing as a Christian, it's your Christian life. Your future salvation is glorification in which Jesus Christ comes and we're with Him forever. When we look at this passage, He's talking about our sanctification. He says, if you'll stay close to growing as a believer and living out this teaching, it will save you and those who hear you. Now, if I put the word sanctification there, listen. For as you do this, you will ensure sanctification both for yourself and for those who hear you. Or we could put the word growth in there. For as you do this, you will ensure growth for yourself and for those who hear. So Paul is not saying if you live good, it will give you eternal life. He's saying if you live good and live out these principles, you will grow as a Christian and you will help others grow as well. 
That's what he's talking about. So hope you understand that. We all know this. At least if people who come to the countryside on a regular basis, you know that salvation is not by works. It's not by goodness. It's not by faithfulness. It is simply the gift of eternal life which comes by faith. Jesus died and rose again. Whoever trusts in him has eternal life and, and, and has eternal life the moment they believe. It's present tense and we're saved and saved forever. This passage is talking about Christian life. And he says if you will hang on to these things, if you'll pay close attention to these things and your teaching, if you'll keep doing it, you will ensure your growth and other people's growth as well. So that's the key. Now, it's a possibility that in the flow of the passage, when he talks about ensure salvation, he could even be saying that you'll, it'll ensure that you won't get caught up in these false teachers, which he mentioned in the first part of the passage. So that's a possibility as well. So we'll see how that fits. The charge to Timothy. Be faithful, Timothy. Use your gifts. Grow. Let people see your growth. And, and, and keep on going guarding yourself so that you can, you can grow as a Christian and help others as well. There's a lot there. Let me give you some applications, okay? First one is this. Exercise your gifts. Whatever gifts you have, God has gifted you. You have at least one spiritual gift. You may have more than one spiritual gift. Be faithful to serve within the body. First of all, A, know your gift or gifts. Know them. You say, well, how do I know that? Well, go to the passages, look at them in the Scripture, take a spiritual gift inventory, listen to some stuff, begin to get involved and, and see, you know, maybe what, what is your strength? You know, it doesn't take you very long to begin to realize that you may have the gift of mercy or you may have the gift of helps. You know, the gift of helps is the person that they're behind the scenes usually. They're doing stuff. They're setting things up. They're getting things ready. And, and they're always helping. And they're not the kind of person that wants to be up front. You may say, hey, come on up here. No, 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 no. I'm just going to set up chairs. I don't want to be up front. You know, so, you know, as you get involved and as you begin to, to serve and do things, you'll know your gifts. And so B is serve within the body. Begin to serve. Help build up the body of Christ. Use the gifts, talents, abilities that you have. Begin to plug in. And, and the bottom line is eventually you serve in your area of giftedness. That's the key. Number two, keep on growing. Keep on growing. Do the things that help you grow. No one apply the Word of God. Make application. Let people be able to see your progress. That's what Paul says to Timothy. Let everybody see it. You want to keep growing. And the third thing is guard ourselves. Guard our, as we got right here, guard our, ourselves and what we teach. So guard our lifestyle. And then guard what we teach. Keep on growing. That's the key. Because what will happen is it will ensure our growth, but it will also help those who hear us, as he says, because he says, Timothy, for those who hear you, because Timothy taught and Timothy helped others. He's saying, as it helps you grow, it will help other people grow as well. We not only affect ourselves, but others. So may we keep growing, guarding ourselves, exercising our gifts as we make a difference in other people's lives. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a passage. Thank you for these great truths. Thank you for all that is there. Lord, we just ask you that uh, we, would, we would use our gifts within the body. And I pray for each one in this room that they'll, if they don't know for sure now that in the next time that they'll come to understand what their gifts are and they'll serve within the body and they'll serve within their area of giftedness and they'll love to do ministry. It'll just be so fun. So we, we thank you for that. Lord, I pray for all of us that we'll keep growing, that uh, our progress will be evident to others as we continue to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Savior. And then finally, Lord, that we would guard ourselves. We'd be real careful that we would guard our personal lives and our teaching to make sure it's all right. That will help us grow, but it will help other people grow as well. Thank you, Lord, for these great truths. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.